the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. How dependent are you upon God? Really? I mean, if it's a headache, you don't even think about talking to him. You just simply take an aspirin, right? Is that total dependence? Let's talk about that next on Abounding Grace. We have dependence upon God, but that's for the big things. The small things, well, we can handle that ourselves, right? Well, the Apostle Paul seems to think differently. Our total dependence upon God's mercy is the title of our message today. We're in Romans chapter 9, verses 1 through 18. We invite you to spend some time with us as we explore this passage together, understanding what the Apostle Paul is teaching us. Here's Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose on this edition of Abounding Grace. It is God who shows mercy. So you can think, well, I'll do something to prepare myself. No, you can do nothing. I'll make a decision. Your decisions don't save you. No one has ever been saved by a decision No one has ever been saved by walking an aisle or being baptized or just being good or being born into a Christian family. No one has ever been saved by any of that. Though some of them are wondrous blessings that we ought to thank God for. If men are saved, it is because God shows mercy upon sinners like us. And you see, this is what most Christians don't want to hear today. I pray each one of us here does want to hear it. Because we need our pride humbled in the dust. Or we will always think, I've got a pocket version of the gospel. What is the assumption I make of by having something like a Bible in my pocket? Like my keys or my wallet. They're mine. I control whatever they are used for. My keys, for example. I have a car key. A house key, a key to the church. So I have access to these things. They are my keys. That is, a lot of times, what we do with the gospel. I've got my version of God. I've got my version of Jesus in my little pocket Bible. I'm good to go. That does not exist. We need to have our pride humble, even as believers Even if we have been believers for 40 years, we need to be brought back to this fountain over and over again because this is the living water that comes from God's throne. If I am a Christian, if there is any good in me at all, if I am persevering in faith, it is not because I am holding on to God. It is because He is holding on to me. It is because of His grace to me, me and my filth. His mercy when I was wretched. He alone did it. You see, God is really big in the true Christian faith. 
And man is really small. And man only has meaning when God lifts him up from the dunghill. So much of Christianity today, so much of even the better Christian literature that is written assumes you're okay. You've got these problems. God's word just needs to say something to you to make your problems all go away and make your family feel good and for you to have a purpose in life. That is not the dynamic of Scripture. That is not the way the Bible begins. Here's man, poor little man, poor little family. He's a victim. Let's give him something that will make him feel better and make all of his problems go away. No, the Bible begins more with Dantean picture of men. Men are all in hell. Men are dead in their sins. Men study all kinds of reasons and have all kinds of judgment on their backs because they hold on tenaciously to their idols. They will let anything go but their pet sins. Which one of yours are you unwilling to let go? I'll let go of anything, but I want to do what I want to do. You see, but... Then the gospel comes to us, and it's like, wait a minute. If this gospel is true, that God's name is, I will be merciful to whom I will be merciful, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion, then it doesn't really matter. Verse 16, him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God who shows mercy. You see, this puts me completely out of the control booth. I'm not in it. This little God that I think I can control, it doesn't exist. I am totally at the mercy of God, which is exactly where God brings us to when he saves us. Notice that everyone in the Gospels that comes to Jesus, they never come saying, Lord, I'm 90% good. You can take me 10% of the rest of the way. They never say, Lord... I've done all these great things for you. I deserve your favor. No. How do they come to Jesus? Hey, I'm blind. I'm filthy. Well, really, dead men can't say anything, right? But I'm dead. How did they come to Jesus? I can't do anything to hear, walk, live, see. I'm covered with leprosy. And these were all the people in the covenant community of Israel. We would say today they were all the church members. And they all came to Jesus. And all of them recognized that mercy is in the hand, is his hand alone. Power is in his hand alone. I can't control it. All I can do is beg, Son of God, have mercy on me. Son of God, have mercy on me. Is that what you beg? If you have never begged that, beloved, you just may not be a Christian. Son of God, have mercy on me. You may be a church member, but you must most likely are not a believer. Son of God, have mercy on me. Why? Because I am wretched. Because I am a sinner. Because I have nothing that can gain God's favor. That can turn around His wrath. I have nothing. By the way, The preaching of these words in Romans and in general, keep these things before us, is one of the reasons also that long-term Christians avoid boredom. One way 
we could avoid boredom is to always have a theme of the month, a program of the month. They may help to alleviate boredom, but let me give you a better way. Stay humble under mercy. Keep before you that I stand and live by the mercy of God alone. Stay before the cross. If Jesus had not died for me, if he had not shed his blood for me, I could, I could do everything that I think is worthwhile doing, and it would gain nothing for me before God. I am saved by the blood of the Lamb who suffered and bore our curse and was numbered among the transgressors. He gave his back to the smiters. All these things are of mercy. It's what keeps us humble. It's what keeps our mouths closed and humble. It's what makes us merciful to other people. It's what stops us from gossiping in the name of pious concern. It's what makes us willing to forgive. It is mercy because God's mercy, when you taste it, begets mercy in you. Now, the other side of this begins in verse 17 with Pharaoh. Because there are two sides of God's sovereignty. It's not just that those who receive his mercy receive mercy. And it's nothing to them. It's nothing from the, from the parents. It's not worth, education, background, skin color, any of those things. It is mercy alone. But there is also the other side. And this, again, is another dividing line. Because many may be willing to say, well, I grant I have nothing good but what God, of course, gives me. But I don't, if I can go there with the negative part, because of what the older theologians call reprobation or the horrible decree of God. But not only, as we learn here, does he have mercy upon whom he will, but even for Pharaoh, as an example, God raised him up or made him stand, as it says in Hebrews, gave him power and gave him dominion. Why? Why did God raise up Pharaoh? Think about it. To kill him, to destroy him, for God to glorify his own name and his justice by raising Pharaoh up so high that his fall would be so low so that it would be evident how much he was under God's hand. Now, someone might say, well, that was hardly fair to Pharaoh. We know in Exodus, in five or six places, it is said that Pharaoh hardened his own heart. But in more places, it says, how many times God hardened Pharaoh's heart. So which was it? Well, it was both. I mean, Pharaoh was hardening his heart, and God was hardening his heart, so that Pharaoh would harden his heart, and to judge him for hardening his heart, so that God could kill him. Now again... Let me give you a a modern look at this. I've heard this many times. You mean God has created some people just so he could send them to hell? Well, not exactly. God, of course, created all men upright. But all men have sought out witty inventions, deceptive, devious ways. And God doesn't look at men like Americans look at men. And how is it that Americans look at men? Man is generally good. Man is worthy. What is God's view? Man has fallen. Man is a rebel. Man is an enemy 
There's none righteous, no, not one. So from the standpoint, for God to raise up Pharaoh and to put all those plagues on Egypt and finally drown him and all his army in the Red Sea was completely just. There is no question of, God, you're being unfair. No, God probably gave Pharaoh far less than he deserved. Nothing that Pharaoh received was undeserved. And that is Paul's very point here with respect to those whom God withholds mercy. Verse 18, he hardens. He judicially, as a punishment for sin, hardens hearts. Where does this leave us? It leaves us with a God who holds life, death, salvation, damnation, heaven, hell, completely in his hands. It does not leave us with, now listen closely because I I, I don't want to be misunderstood here. It does not leave us in the position of judging people and saying, well, they're obviously reprobate. You may not enter God's counsel, beloved. We are slugs in comparison to the mercies of God. So this is no authorization for us to start divvying up humanity who is good and who is bad. Forget it. Therefore, it's not an impediment to preaching the gospel to every creature under heaven. Because God tells us to. Period. Do it. Because the way I'm going to get mine is through the preaching of the cross. So you've got to go out to every creature under heaven. Oh, you're not judges. Don't say I'm going to go to white or or black people or just nice people. But I'm certainly not going to go to any liberal. No, no. Whatever you are. Wherever you are, you give the word to every creature under heaven. Forget all the objections to this because they don't stick. And what's the real objection? I like to be in control of my own destiny. I want to be able to put on my tombstone, I did it my way. And if I'm even theological and a Christian, I want to be able to say, I chose, I followed, I decided, I have something good. That's not what Christians say. Christians want to put on their gravestones, condemned but shown mercy, damned but delivered. Because we realize it's not a question of fairness. That is why Paul will go on, as we will see in the weeks ahead, saying God can do with us creatures what he wants to do. It's not a question of fairness. Fairness is for every one of us to have been drowned in that Red Sea. That is what fairness is. Now, if you don't see that about yourself, then you don't know yourself. And that's the real problem, isn't it? The worst mask of all are not the mask we wear before each other. It is the mask we wear before ourselves. That is the worst mask of all. I'm good. I've got everything under control. No one sees that bad stuff in the closet. Those are the worst masks of all. And we start believing our own lies, drinking our own Kool-Aid. It's bad enough when we are fake around one another, but worse when we are fake with ourselves. You know what brings us out of that? Do you know how you can truly learn how to know yourself again? When you bring yourself before Scripture and realize, if God has not had mercy on me, my best five minutes would have been enough to send me to hell forever. My best five minutes. Think of your best five minutes. 
Let's grade on a curve. Think of your best one minute, your nicest, sweetest moment. I don't know if I've had any minutes of worth in my life, but let's be generous. If God were to judge me purely on that, I would be in hell forever. I didn't love him with all my heart. I did not love him with all my mind. Did you? Anyone lost this week? You're in hell without Christ. Anybody have a bad thought about anyone that was unjustified? You're in hell. Anyone not thinking of your brother absolutely as charitable as you possibly could? You are in hell. Did you speak ugly? Did you lose hope with your husband or your wife? You are in hell. Did you worry? You're in hell. We're all in hell for that one. Did you fear? Jesus said, do not fear. You're in hell. And I could go on and on and on. What does this bring us back to? Oh, beloved, it is mercy, mercy. God showed favor to the undeserving and with respect to Pharaoh and to any of us of, and to any he has chosen not to show mercy to. He didn't just pass them by. He raises them up so that he can destroy them and reveal the glory of his justice. So one of the cash values for this as Christians now, I know most of you heard and have at some level believed these doctrines, even though I admit they are very challenging. But let me ask you, do you really believe them? Did you believe them when you, or do you believe them when you, you go out in the public and you see a sodomite? Do you believe them when you talk to one of your family members and you've, gotten, you've got a drunk uncle, someone who's just drunk all the time? Maybe it's drugs. Do you believe them when you are around people at work and it's like I can't believe they're doing that? Do you believe them when you are in the prayer closet? How do you pray? Father, I thank you that I'm not like those others. And, and maybe you would never be as audacious enough to say those words out loud. I'm better though. There's something special between God and me. I watched those Disney movies when I was a kid. And as Obed said, the first tang of our strong or our strong taste of life stayed with me. And that's a good reason, parents, for you not to let your children have a heavy diet of Disney movies. Why? Well, what are you taught? If you just wish upon a star, there will be something good. Or do we say, Lord, I don't know myself as you know me, but I know this. There is absolutely nothing good in me, nothing. So, if I know you, it is because you gave me faith. If I'm walking with you, it's because of your great mercy and grace to me. If I'm repenting of my sins, it is because of your goodness, God. If you feed me today, it is because of your mercy to such a wretch. And what does that produce in us? It should produce humility, humility, humility which then feeds gratitude, 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 which in turn produces obedience, joy, peace, and love. You see, today, we snip the cord between grace and gratitude because grace basically just means you can live like you want. Hey, I can cuss after all. I've memorized many Bible verses. I'm free in Christ. So sin a little bit boldly yourself to be a real cool son of God. Well, guess what? You have just absolutely guaranteed 
there will be no gratitude and no obedience in you. But when you understand grace for what it is, mercy, God's favor to those who deserve hell, gratitude will fill your heart. And by the way, we are all pharaohs. God doesn't say pharaoh is the worst there ever was. He used him as example of all of us. Dead, rebellious, and willful. Isn't it interesting? Pharaoh said, I don't believe God's word. While the whole time God's word was about killing him. Just killing him. That's us. You see, until God comes to us, saves us by his mercy, gives us a new heart, and then what? Ourselves, we see ourselves for what we are. I'm a sinner. But God had mercy on me. He forgave me, and I am grateful. I'm humbled, truly humbled. It was nothing in me. And you know what? Humility doesn't go around talking about how humble it is. So if you talk about your humility, you're probably not. If you pray for humility, you may be a little bit humble because humility is such a precious outgrowth of mercy and we have to treat it very carefully. Our hearts are truly struck that God had not, forg- that God had not forgiven me. My life would not be just as bad. My life would be just as bad as the sodomites. Maybe even worse. Like my drunken uncle or whatever it may be. I am no better. But God has grace. By the way, this has so many implications. Your family may be better than the family down the street. But boy, I'll tell you, you sure do injustice to God's grace, parents, if you're not constantly telling your children the only reason our family may be better is because God has mercy upon us in our devilish wretchedness. And then there is no family pride like We've got to defend our family name. From what? We don't defend our family name as if, well, our name, the Wagner name, the Rob name, or whatever it may be. Why? Because I have nothing that I have not received. What I defend is God's grace, and our children need to hear that constantly, or they grow up thinking there is something unique about us. And then what happens? Oh, we're above the rules. Well, there's something good in us. We've got all these things. We've got worship, and we have the church, and God hears our prayers. We're above the rules. No, that is the opposite. They are not hearing enough about the only reason we are not in the gutter of sin is because God in in love lifted us out of the filth. It's not because I read some books, because I'm a nice guy, or, or anything of that sort. It is because God had mercy on me in my wretchedness. And when we rightly understand this and we believe it again, we will tell others of the gospel. We will speak it loud and clear because our hearts will be truly, deeply humbled by mercy. Please meditate on these verses this evening. Think about them this week. Think about them tomorrow morning, guys. Why am I going to work as a Christian man? Because God had mercy. I deserve to be hardened. 
Have you noticed today I haven't tried to answer objections to, and Paul didn't either, to why God would harden anyone? Why would God do that? It does seem unfair, right? You see, because Paul doesn't begin his theology from Disneyland movies, our versions of human nature. He begins them from, if you believe what I'm telling you, everyone deserves to be hardened. There is no issue. It's not a question of justice. We should be able to understand justice if we know ourselves. But we do have a hard time with God's mercy, do we not? Amen. Well, this has been Abounding Grace with Pastor Gary Wagner from Reformed Heritage Church in San Jose. As we have closed out our time together today, I would remind you that our desire is to know how this program encourages you in Christ. Now, there are a couple of three ways that you can contact us to provide us with this information. And again, it would really encourage us a great deal if you'd take a moment and let us know how the program is encouraging you in your walk and relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. Here's how to contact us. Phone number is 408 408- Eight six six five six zero seven. That's four zero eight eight six six five six zero seven. Our website, where you can drop us an email and even learn a bit more about us, is reformedheritage.org. And then, of course, you can write to us at PMB. That stands for Post Mailbox Number four zero two fourteen eighty four Pollard Road, Los Gatos, California. The zip code is nine five zero three two. Now, there is another way you can contact us, and this would be the best of all, especially if you're not involved in a church at this time. Plan on visiting. Let us uh, fellowship face-to-face, as it were. We meet at Lone Hill Church, 2 in the afternoon on Sundays at 5055 Lone Hill Road in Los Gatos. Directions can be found at our website, reformedheritage.org, or by calling 408-866-5607. By the way, copies of the broadcast are just $5. Mention today's date when you contact us, and we'll get a CD out to you right away. Thank you for joining us today. Until next time, God bless. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here. Here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never before seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. Salemnow.com.